you can have any brew you want, as long as it's a Corona. And welcome to this zero-credit supplemental reading of 2001's The Fast and the Furious. My name is John. And my name is Wheelman. Wheelman? Is there like a thing after Wheelman that like is your actual name? Nope. I'm just a man with a wheel. Alright, so John and Wheelman here to present... The supplemental reading of the uh, seminal masterpiece, 2001's The Fast and the Furious. Uh, so, you thought we were kidding, basically. <laughs> no, what? why would they ever think that an empty promise made on a podcast episode of Zero Credits would never come to fruition? They know that we keep one promise a year. Yes, and it's usually the promise that is the most... Uh, passively hostile to our listeners now uh anyone who has listened to a zero credit supplemental reading before knows that generally speaking a supplemental reading is where me and henry get together and we discuss something that is culturally or artistically important that we've both enjoyed and we've decided to uh invert that subvert that rather in a couple neat ways first of all uh, this isn't necessarily something that Henry and I enjoyed outside of the podcast and then came together and decided that it was important. It was something that we decided was important before having seen it. Uh, and the other thing that we're subverting slightly is that generally a zero credit supplemental reading will uh, unabashedly spoil the thing we're talking about. That does not change. But we usually expect you to have seen the thing before jumping into it. Uh, this movie's 17 years old, so this is your shot across the bow. As these supplemental readings continue to come out, the movies will become more recent. The spoilers will become more real. Just know we're not going to warn you when we spoil anything about this. You can listen to all these and never watch a single one of these movies. But yeah, yeah. it's up to you. I mean, uh, just a few spoilers right off the bat. It's called The Fast and the Furious. It stars Vin Diesel. It's got Paul Walker in it. And there's cars that go fast. And the people who drive them may or may not be, but typically are mad at all times. But not like Mad Max, because it's still happening currently. Yeah. It's not like a post-apocalyptic world. It's like a prequel to Mad Max. Yeah, except it happens in what looks like Florida, but it's actually L.A. Hollywood. Hollywood. Well, yeah, that's L.A. Yeah, it is. So uh, I think we can talk a little bit about uh, about this movie just kind of at the outset. So 2001, very strange time for cinema. A little director known as Rob Cohen decides to uh, decides to direct this movie made by Universal Studios, right? Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't the things that I only care about are director and writer. Companies, uh... I say that because, uh, I was doing some reading and The Fast and the Furious is one of, easily, the most profitable and influential film franchises of all time. Hence the supplemental reading series. Uh, but Rob Cohen, this is his first and last Fast and the Furious movie he directs. Really? He, he, he plants the seed that will eventually become... An eight-movie-long series, but he has nothing to do with the rest. He has nothing to do with the sequels. Now, Rob Cohen, you might remember, uh, as the director of Dragonheart. Exactly. 
everyone's favorite film in which Sean Connery voices a dragon. Yeah, uh, Dragonheart is uh, not a not one of my favorite movies, but if you look at his trajectory, now we talked about how Rob Cohen kind of jumped ship, didn't do any more Fast and the Furious movies. Uh, after Fast and the Furious, he realized where his true uh, allegiances lie. The Mummy series. The Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. The worst mummy one. The one where they, they replaced the wife. The one where you're like, man... I thought Scorpion King was bad. Yeah, at least this one looks better, I guess, but all of the heart, warmth, and soul in Brendan Fraser's eyes are gone. I, uh, though it is worth noting, however, that uh, immediately following the release of The Fast and the Furious, Rob Cohen went on to direct uh, his true magnum opus, Triple X. Of which he never touched another movie in the series again. Because then, of course, Triple X then turned into another franchise, spawning sequels such as Triple X State of the Union and Triple X The Return of Xander Cage. What I'm picking up, because Dragonheart also had a couple of sequels that Rob Cohen has no, he never touched. What, I think he had a no sequel, sequel contract in, in his, in his what? His contract, a uh-huh. no sequel writer, and then, all of his movies he ever did went on to be these long, franchised series. And so when it came time, someone asked him if he wanted to do a mummy movie. He was like, you know what? I'm going to get in on this series money. Yeah. I'm going to get on this sequel money. And then it turns out he's made a really bad mummy movie. So I think that Rob Cohen is best described as a, as a theist interpretation of a director. Yeah. So he exists for the creation and then backs off. And he only comes back to kill it. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> watch out for Fast 9. Yeah, watch out for Fast 9. If Rob Cohen touches the series again, it is over. Uh, but generally for supplemental reading, since we do assume you've watched the movie, we don't talk a lot about the plot. Uh, that's gonna change, because like I said, these are largely meant to be enjoyed, and we're not gonna assume that, uh, <laughs> That you've watched these movies. And also, it might be tough to get an hour out of this if we don't talk about the plot. I, I mean... What what themes can we draw out of The Fast and the Furious other than the one that's hammered into you yeah. time and time again? Family before cops. Family before cops. FBC. So I think we can kind of just go uh, in order with the stuff that we liked about this movie. My favorite thing about this movie... My notes are really dumb, John. That's fair. Uh, not my favorite thing, but this movie really gets you. Because there is a very unique aesthetic, and I like to call that very early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, and that aesthetic, maybe there will be a time, maybe 30 or 40 years from now, where people really like glom on to that. You know how people like the 80s right now? Yeah. So yeah, in 30 and 40 years into the future, people will be like, let's bring back early 2000s chic. I would really love for that to happen because uh, it has a very specific look. The intro to Fast and the Furious is the most early 2001 uh, title card I've ever seen. It is uh, abhorrent music. <laughs> and it is it is played over... Let me let me tell you how many layers of obfuscation are over the title. It is sections of the title in shiny, metallic, but also translucent 3D letters, but it is only shots of part of it 
reversed or upside down and then parts of it right side up and then bang it just says fast and the furious in the most horrifying font treatment i've ever seen if you want to spend the first 10 seconds of the movie wondering if john has his tv picture settings set up right this is the movie to to watch and i feel like as far as a franchise is concerned it really gets you right off the bat Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the title card drops, mm-hmm. and you're immediately introduced to three dark cars chasing a huge semi-truck down a dark har- ha- hallway. <laughs> a dark road. Yeah, and I mean, it starts with a, a very... It starts with what I'm going to say is the one tasteful transition of the whole film. <laughs> the, you mean the beginning of yeah. the film? So it, it starts with uh, people loading up some incredible Panasonic... VHS combo TVs in the back of a truck. The truck leaves, the camera tracks the truck, becomes obfuscated by the side of the truck, and then it, like, cranes back up, and it's night all of a sudden. You're right. I forgot about that transition. That It's kind of like they close the truck door, they show the truck driving out, suddenly it's on a dark road at night. Yeah. And then enter... And then enter the, the three the three <laughs> Honda Civics. Honda Civics. The three jet black Honda Civics with green ground effects. And they surround the semi truck, and you might think, "Oh no, they're up to no good." When all of a sudden, someone pops out of a sunroof with a freaking harpoon. <laughs> yeah, you might think that they'd like run him off the road, or they'd have guns. No, someone just has a grappling hook gun. That, 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 like, pulls the window out of the truck, yep. the, the windshield, which, first of all, that's going to be unbearable, right? Because the truck's not slowing down yet. Yeah. Uh, if you notice, though, I, I like to... There's a couple moments in this movie where I genuinely believe that uh, it is shot in such a way that where they're anticipating that people will be watching it on televisions of limited fidelity yeah but we bought that thing hd baby we did Uh, so if you watch that scene the truck driver uh during the hijacking is completely nonplussed yeah he's not moving at all stone-faced looking straight ahead while all of this is happening (laughs) he's like oh i lost part of my windshield well all right I, i guess that's that's a bad thing and then they come out with the second harpoon gun yeah because here's the thing they they have no better way of getting into this semi truck than okay people have robbed semi trucks thousands and thousands of times there's a, there are systems in place i did some research about it really? usually you just point a gun at the guy until he pulls over i mean that's that I would think that would work. Yeah, that's a lot safer. Uh, what they do is they get in front of him, harpoon gun his windshield out, and then, oh no, what are you going to do? Second harpoon gun to go in through where the windshield was to stick into the seat so you, you can then climb the harpoon cable into the 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 the, the bed of the truck. Not bed of the, the cabin. Truck. The cabin of the truck. And only when... <laughs> But only when the truck driver sees someone climbing over do we get like, oh, he's got a a swatter. Yeah. He, he's got someone like, ah, get away. <laughs> but then they shoot him with a tranquilizer dart. It, it showing us in this, this was a, I want to make it clear. The only Fast and the Furious movie I've seen is Tokyo Drift. And that was basically when it came out 12 years ago. The fact that he is shot with a tranquilizer dart, it instills in me 
and understanding that these movies are a very specific kind of movie that is listed in their IMDb description. They're espionage movies. Yeah. There's grappling hooks. There's tranquilizer darts. There's harebrained schemes. I thought these were action movies, but they're spy movies. There's, you know, at least this first one, because, I mean, there's an undercover cop that you don't... I mean, I'm gonna, we'll get to it later. Yeah. What I love about this movie is there's... We start in media rests, so mm-hmm. obviously it's a good movie. Yeah. No, if a movie starts and starts explaining anything, bad. It but, needs to start in the middle of something inexplicable. But this movie explains nothing at all times. Yeah. And so, like, we transition from this great truck robbery scene, mm-hmm. and the who do we see... But, like, a, a young Paul Walker on a racetrack with this really green car. Mm-hmm. And we just saw people rob people with cars. So, the what is the logical conclusion when we first... This is the first, like, actor character we see. Yeah, because the, the cinematic... The art of the cinematic montage makes us say, We just saw fast cars robbing a truck. This is a man who's driving a fast car. We must assume he robbed that truck. Right? But, of course, misdirection or oh. bad direction, not true. <laughs> My favorite part about the opening scene with Paul Paul Walker, and, you know, he's racing his car, he's, he's race, timing himself, I guess, seeing how fast he can go. How else do you portray that a car is going really, really fast, other than the cameraman literally struggles to keep up with him. Yeah. You, <laughs> to keep the car in frame. You have to have the car consistently getting out of frame, but also when the car escapes frame, you must cut instantaneously to inside the car, outside the car, on top of the car, behind the car. You To make it seem fast, you don't have to convey speed, just disorientation. <laughs> You know, it would be easy to put, like, a a speedometer reading meter up and and cut to that. But no, you're right. We have to do this realistically. Yes. And what is... is what is more realistic than disorientation with, from a cameraman and trying to keep up with a car? It just, it, it makes you uh, feel sick, which is what you want from any good movie. And then we cut from the racetrack, which establishes very importantly that Paul Walker's character knows how to drive a car. And he's also mad. He's mad because he holds him to, himself to a certain standard because he's racing laps. The first word... <laughs> of that Paul Walker speaks in the movie is damn yeah because he didn't go fast enough but then it cuts to Paul Walker's day job he's in a red truck he's in a red truck for the racer's edge yeah Harry which uh, I realize is the razor's edge uh but the first human interaction other than an angry truck driver being shot with a tranquilizer dart yeah is Paul Walker walks into what looks like a horrifyingly warm bar uh, named Toretto's. I did not pick up the name of the bar, but it makes sense. So he goes into Toretto's and starts speaking to a woman who he obviously knows. And he asks for some... There's some witty banter about a tuna sandwich with no crust, and that's what he orders. It's obvious he's interested in this woman. Her name is Mia. Mia Toretto. Oh, because she she owns the bar. She owns the bar, maybe. Uh, But... He gets the sandwich, and then, eventually, uh, a group of seemingly 'er ne'er-do-wells show up. How do they show up, John? They show up in three race cars. Three 
separate race cars, even though they're going to the same destination. Yeah. Who else did we see in three in separate three race cars? cars? So we've already confused the message because we're like, is it Paul Walker? Obvi- Wait, no. There's three race cars. Could it be these guys? And also, do they hate each other enough to not ride in the same car? Does any is anyone? A passenger in this universe. So uh, then the three people get out. They are uh, Jesse. Moth, uh, b- brains. Jess, brains is Jesse. He's a thin guy in a skull cap. With a dad. With a dad. And then we have muscular guy. M- unnamed muscular guy. And then we have other unnamed muscular guy. Who is more prominently featured than the first yes. unnamed muscly guy. I do not know these characters' names. Uh, maybe we can look them up, but... Lance. Lance. One of them is named Lance, probably. But uh anyway, so... The the crew gets out. They start saying car words, which that's a thing this that's movie right. does a lot. They po- yeah, they, one of them pops their hoods, and then Jesse, the brains, mm-hmm. goes up to it and just spouts, just sort of offers up all of these car words that, look, I don't know cars. I know the word transmission. Mm-hmm. I know the transmission has transmission fluid. Uh-huh. And that's where it stops. So you put any amount of car words into it, I'm just going to go... Cool. Yeah, like, uh, characters in this movie sometimes will just start being like, ah, VTech, uh, Fuel Mix, NOS, and they just, like, say words without any meaning, uh, but then they're clearly irritated at the presence of Paul Walker. Paul Walker's character, Brian? Yes, Brian. Brian. With an I? Yeah, the, the presence of Brian in this bar, because they see him here and they're upset because he's, like, hitting on Mia or something. I think this is another instance that the movie doesn't explain anything. Uh-huh. Apparently he's been coming around every so often. Yeah. But they're still treating him like, oh yeah, he works for Harry. Yeah. They don't know anything which, about... Which, which you can tell from the truck he drove because it... It says Harry's business, the racer's edge. Yeah. So like, so that's... Is it the first time he's in here? But then she's like, oh, yeah, the usual tuna no crust because you're a little baby. Uh Uh-huh. And he's like, how's the tuna? And she's like, it's bad. And he's like, I'll have the tuna. Oh, disgustingly cute. Uh, But that interaction of them coming up and being like, oh, it's this guy again, uh, it leads to one of my favorite lines of the whole movie. They, looking at his back, not seeing what he's ordered... Uh, I believe the character's <laughs> name is Lance. Issues forth the statement, this fool must be sandwich crazy. Yeah. You know, a- anytime, I think you said this, and I'm going to quote you, anytime I see somebody enjoying a sandwich, I think, this fool must be sandwich crazy. <laughs> this fool must be sandwich crazy. Now, all throughout this bar scene, we keep seeing this, like, cut to the back of this bald, sweaty man's head behind chicken wire. So you must assume he's some kind of, like, freak that they keep at the bar to entertain the patrons. Yeah, he's the bar freak. Yeah, all you see is the back of a sweaty head or a corona. He gets his bar freak on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, there's an altercation uh, between the three race cars and Paul Walker. The three men, including Jesse. Wait. Michelle Rodriguez is also introduced at this point. Is she? Because she walks in and she's like, hey, Dom, do you want a drink? And Dom goes... Yeah, you see the back of his head and he doesn't say anything. So you know his name is Dom 
for and, domineering. And uh, Michelle Rodriguez. Uh, Her character, of course, is Michelle Rodriguez. Letty. L-E-T-T-Y, Letty. As in get the Letty out? Get the Letty out. So uh, they there's this altercation between uh, one of the more muscular race car men and Paul Walker. Paul Walker enjoys his sandwich, mm-hmm. pays for the sandwich, and the only way you can pay for anything in a movie, drops a, a disheveled <laughs> a, a bunch, collection of bills on the bar. A bunch of wrinkly fives. <laughs> that are going in every which way. Mm-hmm. And he's walking out to his car when, let's say, Lance follows sure. him and says one of my favorite lines, Hey! Why don't you go to Fat Burger? Two ninety nine gets you a burger and fries, <laughs> and then he ends it with an epithet, which is unprintable. You're right. Oh my god, yeah. I almost forgot that he does say that. It's the early two thousands people still said the f word. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, that's not the f word. <laughs> no, the other f word. Frenchie. Uh, so then they uh, they have an altercation, uh, which by the way, great fat burger placement. By the way, and the it's only- like you get two you get two burgers and fries, and he adds at the end, great service. <laughs> oh, does he say great service? <laughs> yeah. Unlike this dump. Unlike this dump. Write me a girl. I'm trying to. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because they have a... That's why they get in the altercation, because Lance wants to get with Jordana Brewster's character, Mia. Yes. Okay. Uh, so they have... So, so many layers in this, there's this so opening much, salvo. There's so much going on. Then, of course, they get in an altercation, uh, and then Dom comes forth to stop the altercation, and Dom, we realize now, is not a freak, but indeed Vin Diesel. Yes. And he issues forth. Possibly... <laughs> The greatest retort in in the entire decade of the two th- early two thousands. Uh huh. Paul Walker gestures to Lance and says, "He's in my face." And then <laughs> Diesel responds, "I'm in your face." <laughs> uh, they. Uh, I forget how that fight ends up. I think Paul Walker leaves. Oh, basically. Uh, <laughs> th- th- this this is a very confusing part for me. Uh, Vin Diesel says, "You work for Harry." You uh-huh. just got fired. Oh, yeah, because he... That's my Vin Diesel. <laughs> you just got fired. That's a pretty good Vin Diesel. No, it's not. Uh, yeah, so since Harry gets so much business from these street racer crowds, uh, he is forced to... I I guess he... Does he actually fire Paul Walker? See, here's the thing. And I, I might have blinked. Paul Walker goes back to his place of business. Harry says, you know, I gotta please the Dom. Yeah. And so I gotta fire you. Because he is the sub. And Paul Walker goes, I need these parts for my car, and he gets them. Yeah. But also he continues to live slash work there for the rest of the movie. So I don't know what happens there. It's it's one of my notes. How come Paul Walker can make demands right (laughs) after getting fired? Yeah, he lives there for a while, I think. No, yeah, he lives there. There's something in between the words of, like, you're fired and I need these car parts that I missed. Do you think you could do that in a job if they tell you you're fired and then you're like, hey, can I get, like, 12 pens? And then they they forget they fired you. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Hear me out. Mm-hmm. 
Star Wars happens in the galaxy far, far away a long, long time ago. Yeah. 2001's relatively a long, long time ago. <laughs> what if Paul Walker's a Jedi? He very well could be. We also missed out on one of my favorite things about the altercation previously. It's the, the only music, fight in the movie? The music choice. Oh. The music in this movie... Uh, Get out of here, baby driver, because this is the most thematically appropriate music. Uh, when Lance is running up to Paul Walker to attack him from behind, the music kicks in. The music that has the lyrics of, watch your back. And then Paul Walker gets hit in the back. Uh, very good. Uh, but then he gets fired, and then there's some interminable um, time where between being fired and not actually being fired... He gets the parts. He gets the parts. And he shows up to race he night. He shows up to race night uh, with some incredible music playing. He shows up, but here's the thing. He introduces a concept to the audience in the world of street racing because they say too grand buy, too large buy-in. And he introduces the concept of racing for pinks. Of my fifth favorite line. Okay. <laughs> I think Ja Rule might be the one who says it. Mm -hmm. It's not how you stand by your car. It's how you drive your car. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a... That makes a... You know, it, it's it's really good that we do have messages like that. Because, you know, there's a lot of really... There's, oh. a, there's a lot of really demeaning language in the past about cars. You know, like that song... Stand by your car. <laughs> Give him two arms to hug him. Give him nos to make him pass. <laughs> what, what is happening? You've never heard Stand By Your Man by Dolly Parton? Oh, no, sorry. I only stand by me. Oh, it doesn't matter how you stand by your man, but how you drive him. Boop, 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 boop. boop. Uh, uh, yeah. All of my notes are just quotes that i want to <laughs> repeat that is that is totally fair but I, I did write pinks yeah so racing for pinks is racing for the uh ownership of your car so paul walker does not have the money to buy in but to to buy in big he's like you can take my car and then they look at it and they're like oh this car's worth 15 grand let's race for it yeah that, that's the thing i don't get like he opens the car and vin diesel there's a line oh I, all of my notes are lines and he's like Oh, that's a good way to spend $10,000 or whatever. Uh-huh. It's like, well, Paul Walker, why didn't you just not put in the 10000 only put in 8000 Oh, no, no, no. There's actually a legitimately story-related reason for that. Paul Walker is a cop, right? Wait, I know that. No, no, no. Paul Walker is a cop. I know that. Okay. The audience still doesn't know that. Okay. What's up? No, I'm just saying, in retrospect, Paul Walker's a cop. What? And he wants to earn Vin Diesel's respect to get in. To give him a car? No, no. He is so confident in his abilities to win that he thinks that putting up his car is a much more big dog move than buying in with $2,000. So they will respect that. Okay. So that's why he does it, except he's an idiot, so he blows all his nos. And well, oh, hold on, hold on, okay. hold on. I'm very You're excited. so far ahead. I'm very excited. Because they met at this weird... Grain Silo yes. Warehouse District uh -huh. to a greeter race. They did. They then traveled to a <laughs> second location. It's clear, though, because the streets are lined with race cars. 
There are race cars everywhere. They've all met up at this central location. Not to race. Not to race. To arrange the concept of a race. Which is the most fascinating part. I have to think there's like a council that meets. We probably, that's probably what that is. That is the council. They all meet. They say $2,000 buy-in. All the racers are like, that is the smallest denomination that one yeah, for which one races? There is only here's the thing in this movie, everything is bought in units of either cars, two thousand dollars, or a crumpled pile of ones, which might have been, which might have equaled two thousand dollars. It's impossible to tell. Mm-hmm. They, so they they arrange and they like they I guess they pick a street mm-hmm. and then using all of the cars, they block off the entire street. Yes. And no cop notices. The only interaction that we see with the with society is a Domino. No, a Pizza Hut driver shows up. Is it Pizza Hut? It might be Pizza Hut or Domino's. I don't remember. I think it's on. It's on IMDb. But it's a pizza guy, and he shows up. And he's like, "Hey, the street," and they're like, "Get lost, pizza man! It's race time." They're like, "Roads closed. You gotta go around, pizza Let man." Pizza. They call man. him Pizza Man. He is a Pizza Hut delivery guy. Yeah, nailed it. Oh my god. What? That's Rob Cohen. Really? Uncredited. Oh, that's actually genuinely cool. The director put himself... Alright, Rob Cohen. That's cool, I like that. I'm so happy I looked that up. Rob Cohen, the pizza guy, is told to get out of his movie... (laughs) Very good. You know, if you're going to do a cameo, don't do an Alfred Hitchcock walking in the background some such. Don't do a Stan Lee interacting with your characters. Just be like a pizza guy showing up going, oh? Be someone who gets demeaned and then and, immediately and ha- leaves. Yeah. Have a character like that you wrote the line tell you to get out of your own damn movie. It's just like a Quentin Tarantino puts himself in movies so he can be killed. <laughs> and also so he can say racial epithets with... Impunity. Yay! He's an ass. So, uh, that happens. And when the race starts, this race is possibly the best race in the movie. Like, I It might s- be the best part. I, I want to say that they filmed this race first and then went to get funding. Yeah, and then they were like, okay, cool. Uh, so the race, I believe, is just drag racing. Yeah, it's just... It's a, just straight line drag it's racing. It's a straight shot... Test of speed, test of knowing when to shift your gears and when to hit that all-important sheet button. Yes, uh, up until this point in the movie, people have had a fixation with NOS, nitrous oxide, uh, which anyone knows, it just changes the fuel-air mixture in your car and can make it run more effectively. Uh, John, the movie implies that when you hit your NOS button... The space-time continuum shifts. <laughs> yes. And you enter the speed force, and you just take off. So there's a series of races. Something that is established early in one of the races is that when someone hits their NOS button, the camera fish eyes, and you increase the exposure so all the lights become like stars. It does not look like driving a car. It looks like traveling to another dimension. If I have to compare it to anything... I have to compare it to that moment in The Matrix when, uh, what is his name? Keanu Reeves yes. realizes he's the one and he does that flex thing and the entire world bends when he flexes. Mm-hmm. 
That's what like that. That's what hitting Nas is like. Yeah, it changes the the composition of the world. <laughs> Physics bends around Nas. Yes, and and proje- <laughs> what's not projects jettisons Paul Walker's car past two people. But wait, he has a little laptop in his car. He does. Uh, it's important to note we can't get in the weeds too much about that. Oh, we but can. everyone has a different setup for their car. Pa- Paul Walker is a nerd with a lot of money because he's a cop. He's got a laptop in his car that talks to him. And actually, it flashes a message and he says, shut up, computer. It flashes messages that uh, they flash like yellow and red. But they say things that I feel like if I was someone who had like an extremely expensive car... I would have them say more specific things. So when you're going really fast in a car and your laptop just says manifold danger or whatever, what? And by the way, apparently manifold danger, when it comes to fruition, it just means that like one of the panels on the bottom of your car will pop all of its rivets like a sinking submarine and just drop out of your car. And make sparks go everywhere and really slow you down. Yeah, it re- actually, well, yeah, he comes to a complete stop. He comes to a complete stop. What a loser! Yeah, he comes to a complete stop, loses the race to Dom, and then must turn over his car. However, however, indeed, who shall recover from a, an earlier crime that allowed them to race? But the cops. Yes, my sentences are all over the place tonight. I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm bringing, I'm bringing my A game. So the the cops show up. Uh, and... Immediately, instantly. Well, I mean, the cops were already there. One cop was... Okay, wait. If the cops were already there... Uh-huh. Why would they say over the police scanner, we've got some, uh, street racing down Marin Boulevard? Because I think, I don't think that Paul Walker let them know. Uh, but Paul Walker is a cop, so he was there. So technically there was already a cop there. We still don't know that at this point. I know, I know. We still don't know that Paul Walker is a cop. The cops show up, and then, despite the fact that Paul Walker's car is fucked up and has come to a complete stop, he is still able to rescue Vin Diesel. Well, yeah, as long as he doesn't hit the NOS again, the manifold shall hold. Yeah, the manifold shall hold. The (laughs) subtitle of The Fast and the Furious. That's the tattoo on Paul Walker's back. Yes. Oh, no. Very good. Uh, So, I... So then there's a police chase. There's a police chase. There is a, there's a relatively, uh, there's a relatively exciting police chase with Vin Diesel running away from the police parks in a parking garage. As you always do. Leaves as a man, just a person. Not a car man. And yet still the police are like, oh, that guy looks like he's been street racing. Let's get him. Well, I think this, this is revealed a little later. But Dom's a prominent figure in this scene. Yeah. So the police might have, like, playing cards <laughs> with Dom's face off. Yes, they just look and they're like, <gasps> they were just playing some hands of craps. And they're like, get him. Or maybe it was just racial profiling for bald men. Yes, racial profiling for, I guess, ostensibly Italian men. Dominic Toretto. 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 Right? He's... Is he? I've uh, never that would also make sense, I've though. I've never questioned his nationality. Man. Because I thought he was Latino. Well, in later movies, spoiler alert, oh, it's man. all about La Familia. La Familia. Italian. No, that's La Familia. Well, yeah, it just has a G in it. 
just has a G. Oh, La Familia. La Familia. Uh, so that uh, that happens, but Paul Walker is able to inexplicably rescue him. Not inexplicably. His car was dead. No. Oh, okay. Well, he also has a police scanner because yes. he's a cop. He also and has a police scanner. We got scanner. Dom running down an alley. He's like, I'm there. I'm there because I still need to win his respect. So he goes. He saves Dom. He gets this, Dom's undying respect. And I have to say, this is the weakest part of the movie. Absolutely. Because th- this guy just rolled up to the scene. It's bi- Ostensibly, it is the same day yes. as the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And Dom went from threatening this guy in the morning to inviting him in for a beer. Yes. Only Corona. Only Corona. <laughs> now, now, I want to be clear here because when you say this is the weakest part of the movie, you mean the... The dynamic of he starts to trust this guy implicitly. I hope you don't mean the weakest point of the movie is the house party, because that is, in fact, the best part of the movie. No, no. The weakest link in this movie is the relationship between Brian and Dom. Yes. If you chart it throughout the movie as like a a, 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 a hill and valley kind of chart, mm-hmm. it starts out in the lowest valley, the Mariana Trench of valleys. Yes. The, they're complete strangers to, mm-hmm. that night, Mount Everest. Yes. I also want to clear something up plot-wise. Uh, so, does... When they go to the house party, does the interaction with Johnny Tran happen before then? It does. It So, they are in... They rescue Dom. They are parked. And then... No, they're they going down the street. Then they encounter a bunch of people on motorcycles who point a gun at them, force them to pull over. Turns out it's Johnny Tran. This is... See, I forgot this part. Because it's the dumbest part of the movie. Yeah. It is. So they're pulled over by Johnny Tran, another prominent figure in this underworld racing scene. I don't remember what Johnny Tran wants, but I think he's just in the wrong part of town. It's a turf war, and they're in the wrong part of town, and the guy's, you know... Rather, there's never a good excuse. No one ever gives a good excuse when they're, like, caught in the wrong part of town. Dom says, oh, we got lost. Not... Now we get chased by the cops. Yeah, not, hey, you know, we were doing some street racing. You know how it is because you're also a street racer. You get the life. And some cops showed up and we had to scatter and we might have accidentally. Not that this is, like, a real turf war because Mm -hmm. we're not selling drugs. Yes. There's no real turf. Mm -hmm. There's street turf. There's there's race turf. Well, there are oh, only oh. so many streets. Race turf as in like racing territory and not like race turf because oh, they're no. all Asian? <laughs> no, not race turf. Though uh, this movie does have uh, this movie does have some race turf because they get pulled over by a group of, of Asian criminals. Obviously they take them to a place with a Confucius statue. Well yeah. Really weird race stuff in they this movie. They were in the the little, what do they call it? Little Chinatown? Yeah, but why linger on the Confucius statue? To Weird set direct- up the fact that they're being pulled over by Asians. <laughs> yes. How perfect. else would we know that other than he takes his helmet <laughs> off and introduces himself as Johnny Tran? But they're pulled over by Johnny Tran, real prick. Uh, but then, I guess he like shoots up a car. He's like, oh, nice car. And then they come back and... Shame if something happened to it. Brat, brat, yeah, brat, and then, brat. And... <laughs> That's a good line. The car catches on fire. They stare at it for like a second and a half before Dom goes, No! 
Nos! Nos! Yes. Nos! And then they jump away and Nos turns blue. Yeah, the explosion is a mixture of orange and blue flames. One of the coolest parts of the movie. No, the coolest part is when they enter light speed. So uh, they then go to a house party. Who cares? The house party is my favorite part of the movie. Why? It's the dumbest. Listen, Dom, listen, Dom rolls up to the house party. You can have any beer. No, no, no. He goes to the house party. He goes to the house party. The first thing that we see in the house party is this Lance character. He is playing, he is playing an electric guitar pointed up to the sky to impress people. And Dom is pissed. They didn't go after him. So what does he do? He starts snatching beers and kicking stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, that does give birth to my favorite line, uh, which is when Paul Walker has been introduced to the house party, is now part of La Familia. He says, you can have any brew you want as long as it's a Corona. Generally speaking, when Fast and the Furious movies come out, they generate $15 million in revenue for the Corona Company. Really? Yes. Every time a Fast and the Furious movie comes out, there is a massive spike in the sales of Corona. That is super awesome and interesting. Yep. Why? Is there a Corona? There's... We have yes. to find out if there's a Corona in every movie. I know the answer to that, but I will... No. Yes. So in this scene... In this movie, it was in the house party. Oh, uh, wait. We're gonna have to do eight of these, so we might as well... Corona count one. One Corona count. Okay. Also, there was a Corona earlier. We're only halfway through this movie, John. Yeah. We need to speed up. I mean, we can skip stuff. Yeah, we can. What's the most, what's the next most important thing? Probably the fact that when they go upstairs to get a drink for Mia and Brian, they get Snapple. Oh, yeah, yeah. The most right. early 2000s thing ever. <laughs> Wait, I, okay, so that, that is a really good exchange. They walk into like the kitchen or whatever. And he says to her, hey, can I get you a drink from your own house? Yes. And she's like, sure. And he's like, grabs a Snapple. <laughs> Everyone else is drinking. But he gets a Snapple. Gets a Snapple. And he's like, here, I found the widest drink in, <laughs> in, your, in your entire uh, house. So dumb. Also, she was studying at the onset. Oh, was she? Yeah, she was studying oh, cool. at the onset of the house party. Uh, she, so- she, sent, she sees What's-His-Face and she's like... Oh no, I'm frumpy and like changes oh, into nicer clothes. I see. And stops studying, gives up on her dreams. So, uh, house party happens. House party's great. This uh, is, this is the most important scene in the movie. The house party? No, the next one. Okay, yet what? He's a cop. Oh yeah, he's a cop. Yeah, he ends up going to, uh, to a cop house. 40 minutes or so in. I, we actually didn't check. 40 minutes in. We introduced the fact that Brian, Brian Slipwell, is in fact Brian O'Connor, undercover cop. And he works for the dumbest cops. He, he works for a police department that seems to consist of maybe four people. Yeah, so you've got the therapist, his boss. Uh-huh. You've got this sergeant guy who hates him. Yeah. Presumably because his hair is nicer. Mm-hmm. And then you got all of their bosses who's like an FBI guy or something. I don't know. Maybe. But like they they meet in this, this porn star house. Yeah. Out in the hills. They it's, drink big frothy coffees. Yeah, I, that's my one fa- of my notes. My favorite exchange of the movie is cops, just undercover cops are like, yeah, let's get a coffee. And then they immediately cut. Cuts to them drinking big frothy coffees out of ornate mugs. Yeah, like the the most hipster coffee you could imagine. Yeah, it's like they're uh, 
Uh, it's it's such early two thousands coffee because it's just a huge obnoxious latte. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame there was no fricata. What's that? Fricaccia, fricaccia. What the big? Oh, like a mugaccini. Mugaccini. Yeah. Yes. Uh, there there very well could have been a missed opportunity there. <laughs> okay, so earlier I said the relationship between Dom and. Uh, Brian is the weakest part of the movie. Mm-hmm. The real, the real, the real weakest part of the movie is the whole cop angle. Yes. Who cares? Uh, yeah. It, it only has one payoff in the movie that comes towards the end, but Brian's a cop. We know that now. Dynamic shifted. Uh, the, the cop angle and the investigation of what's happening, not important. I didn't really enjoy that part. But, uh, eventually, uh, through a series of, like, weird botched investigations into it, I think there's, like, a, I don't even remember at what point in the movie the bust of Johnny Tran's house happens. That's, that's way, way later. Way, way later. Okay. Actually, my notes kind of trail off here. Okay. Great. So, like, we introduce he's a cop and then, oh, that's right. He has to get him a car. Oh, he has so to because he, he owes him car. a ten-second car. So he, I feel like you're falling off. I am falling off a little bit. Like energy-wise, do we need to pep it up? Well, it's just okay. We can talk about the. We can recap the entire plot. Yeah, but is it's that not, really doing? It's not, a, it's not getting us anywhere. That's not I just really want to talk about. The, I just want to talk about the house party. Recapping the plot's only doing us. Okay, so let's just talk about the movie. It's a bad movie. It's pretty good. Okay, no, I legitimately. Legitimately, yes. I asked my fiance, mm-hmm. my soon-to-be wife. Yes, on the drive home, I was like, based on that one movie, uh huh. Pretend you don't know anything about the Fast and the Furious series. Based on that one movie, is that a movie that gets seven sequels? Yeah, and her answer was no. Oh, absolutely, and and I think that bears out because if you look at uh, what the sequels eventually become. Uh, I think that it's it's just something that drives itself with money without knowing where it's going. But I mean, in terms of watchability, I think it's a it's a perfectly watchable movie. But also, a lot of that comes from the fact that it's like genuinely kind of bad. Yeah, I mean, I think there are some really great moments, and we covered most of them. Yeah, the whole latter half of the movie, I'm not as a big a fan of that. Is not as good. Though I would like to say that the the primary uh, race that they're all going towards uh, is called Race Wars, and that is never, yeah. not once, brought up as a problematic name for a race. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously you could tell it was written in a certain time by a certain type of person. Yeah. And so, yeah, ra- they allude to Race Wars. Uh-huh. Does race wars ever happen in the movie? Yeah, absolutely. It does. Remember when Jesse uh, drag races Johnny Tran? That's a race wars. So race wars is just a one-on-one event. It's a drag race in the desert. That is the stupid... They hyped it up like, oh, we got to beat Johnny Tran. They never race Johnny Tran. Jesse does. Why, Why does he? If you're uh, hyping, like, that, that's like, we're going to hype up the big, I always go to this, ski race for the mountain. Yes. And then the big German rich guy races the sidekick. 
I don't think at any point they were like, we need to go to Race Wars to fight Johnny Tran. I think it was, we need to go to Race Wars because we love racing cars. No, that's stupid. I mean, it is. This movie has the ultimate right before third act problem. <laughs> yes. In that it introduced, I mean, it introduces way too much stuff and none of it ends up being important. I mean, the the ultimate twist in this movie that like Dom and Lance and Muscles are the are the three Honda Civics along with Michelle Rodriguez. Why are you forgetting her? Oh yeah, I forgot. Oh yeah, she is a criminal. Yes, man. There were a team of five. I like her too much to think she's a criminal. Well, too bad she's a criminal. And that's something. These these people are criminals. They yeah. do steal. They they're criminals. They do steal. Man, I, the movie never <laughs> confronts that fact. <laughs> there, this movie has a lot going on because like we can talk about them being criminals. We're not even talking about Don's backstory with his dad burning up in his dad's car. That really doesn't matter, does it? It it doesn't. But the, it but it's tough. Nothing. But it's tough to talk about because nothing in this movie matters. Nothing. What the fuck? Holy, wow. Man, that's... Talk about professional. That is the first time that's ever happened. My phone's <laughs> never off of silent. Yeah, that, that's insane. I've never heard your phone ring. I, I think that might be the first time I've ever heard that alert on my phone. No, but Oops. You're right. This is one of the most absolutely, like, nihilistic <laughs> movies. Because it, it, it introduces all of these plot points... And hypes them up with, you know, just so much importance so you're looking forward to it. And then it happens and you're like, oh. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's just kind of a nothing moment. Even the, the bust of Johnny Tran that happens. Now here's something that I have a huge problem with in this movie is... The it, father walks up to Johnny Tran and slaps him in the face. I mean, there's that whole, like, kind of racist honor-dishonor dynamic. But the thing is... We have a strong establishing shot of the thing they are stealing from these semi trucks. Oh, that's right. Is these Panasonic TVs? Yeah, these Panasonic TVs, which is it's the PVM nine three nine. Yes, if anyone wants to go out there and buy one, they absolutely can. But these are the one thing that you know has been stolen when uh, Brian Paul Walker is investigating Johnny Tran's home and his garage. He finds those. In there, which triggers him to call in the SWAT team on Johnny Tran's house. Which also, it's ridiculous, because before the SWAT team goes in, his, like, boss calls him and he's like, Hey, Paul Walker, are you in for this bust? I'm like, if I'm an undercover cop, why would I join the SWAT team that could potentially kill me and blow my cover? (laughs) I'm nowhere near this bust, boss. Yeah, like, I'm asleep. Why would you wake me up at 2 a.m. after, by the way, he's sleeping with me at this point? Yeah. Why, why then? Why is that the choice you make? But then, when they talk about Johnny Tran after he's been arrested... They say, oh, all of those are purchased legally. Why were they there in the garage? Why were they there? Why were they there? For misdirection to, to deliberately be a red herring? Yeah, so I'm, I'm so glad that Johnny Tran just like legally bought the exact things that were stolen earlier. But I mean, at the end of the day, Dominic ends up being a criminal. But he's a criminal. But also his dad died, so he's like a fallen angel. No, he's just a criminal. And let's not forget, though, like, nearing the end of this movie, the greatest antagonist this movie throws at us, not Johnny Tran, 
who, uh, like, kills Jesse and does all this heinous shit. It is instead the most deadly force in this film is a truck driver with a shotgun. A truck driver with a double barrel shotgun. The way they set up this truck driver being this threat is that when Dom is leaving Race Wars, because they go from Race Wars to yeah, there, Dom do. leaves. It's their alibi. Dom leaves Race Wars to go steal this stuff, and uh, Paul Walker's like, "Listen, I'm a cop." I gotta let you know that these truck drivers are getting serious. You don't want Dom to get hurt. It's like, I didn't realize that's where the stakes were getting higher. I didn't realize that the stakes were only getting higher because truck drivers were becoming more dangerous. Yeah, so the first truck driver we see had like a lead pipe. Yeah. And so he he upgraded he the leveled lead up. pipe yeah. to a double barrel shotgun yeah. that shoots way too much, way too fast, yes. but he still has to reload. <laughs> he does, most importantly. And uh, if if you watch that part of the movie, it's the tensest part because you genuinely feel like people are going to die at the hands of this truck driver. I mean, yeah. So a lot of times in an action movie, you're like, oh man, the, the stakes are high, but nothing will happen to, to our heroes. But in this case, the heroes are criminals. So all bets are off. Yeah, and you really feel up to that point in the movie that everyone's untouchable and it becomes strangely dangerous and dreadful it's right like, there at the it's, end. It's the most human part of the movie mm-hmm. because it's the only emotion in the movie is fear of dying <laughs> by truck driver. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, so basically they don't rob the guy, but they do survive. And then, yeah, okay. So there's, there's more. Look. Yes. We need to talk about the weakest part of this movie. Which part? So the er- cop angle? Earlier I said that the weakest part was the relationship between Brian and Dom. Mm-hmm. And then I amended and said the weakest part was that the cop angle. Yes. I'm further amending it. Okay, so a third weakest point. They're all equally weak. Mm-hmm. The movie does not have an ending. So, uh, yeah, the movie does not have an ending. After they return from Race Wars and Jesse is killed, the place where it goes is Johnny Trans behind it. Gotta chase him down. Chases him down. Shoots him. Inexplicably kills him. Uh, which is crazy to me, uh, because he just yells, call 911 and just runs after Dom. Because now he has to chase Dom because the gang has fled the coop. They're, they're scattering into the winds. Yeah. If Paul Walker doesn't get Dom right now, he never will. That's his career on the line. We gotta get Dom. He's actually a criminal. Yeah, he's actually a criminal. And you have to get Dom, but the maybe the one cool thing, the one cool character thing that I like about the movie is when he confronts Dom, you have... So, Paul Walker at this point has confessed his cophood to save... Uh, Lance Muscle's life. Yeah. Right? So he shows that I don't care about my cover. I want to save your friend's life, which gains Dom's respect and his hatred. Yeah. So it perfectly sets them apart because when Dom and Brian meet at the end of that movie, they've both gone through a metamorphosis and become the truest versions of themselves. So Dom is now completely resolute in his desire to be uh, like, in opposition to the law. And then you have, uh, Brian, who is now fully in his cop capacity, but they both are driving, uh, representations of their lives and effort. So Dom is driving his dad's car, 
and Brian is driving the 10 second car that he owed to Dom. And that's the only like cool character thing is like when they finally meet up to do the race again, they're not lying about themselves anymore. True. They're both totally who they are and they're just going to race the quarter mile, man, to that train. And they beat the train. They do narrowly, which that was a cool shot. That's a cool shot. We can shit on this movie all we like. Generally speaking, all the shit with cars is done with real cars. And that's cool to watch. Oh yeah, the composition, we can get into that. But after they beat the train and they're they're exchanging their looks of like mutual respect. Boom. Random car. Random car. Hits hits Dom out of nowhere. Dom gets hit by a random car. Mm Mm-hmm. And it flips. Yep. And he walks out, and he's fine. And then the movie ends. And then Paul Walker gives him the keys then to the-, the other car so Dom can get away. Because at the end, he realized that he treasures Dom's friendship over these last three days. Or No, I think it's been like a month or whatever. No. A week. It's a week because they said that it's going to take at least a month or whatever. No. It's very few days. It's three days. Three I, days here or there. I mean, unless they time skip, in which case, maybe they do, because they do build an entire car. I feel like they say that Race Wars is in a week. I don't know. Uh, but a very short period of time has passed, and then he realizes that he wants to sacrifice his career because his friendship with this criminal is so great that he's going to let him get away. Paul Walker walks away. Movie ends. And that right there shows me this movie was never intended to get a sequel. It's a straight-to-DVD movie. It doesn't stand up to criticism. That they the accidentally ending. released to, to theaters. And I, I think that, uh, and I mean, that's patently untrue. Because if you look at the movies that ended up being in theaters back then, anything would go, dude. No epilogues? No movies have epilogues. Uh, I mean, some movies have epilogues. No but movies. In, in the early 2000s. People didn't care. They just wanted a thrill and a are corona. You, no, what are you kidding me? They just wanted a corona. If a movie doesn't have an epilogue, is it even worth seeing? I don't know. Ask the $170 million worth of people that saw that movie or whatever. But, like, the movie, uh, a massive uh, disappointment of an ending. A couple cool moments near the end. Really liked the first half of that movie significantly more than the latter half. The first half feels like it has more character. Yeah. It's like pluckier, you know? It you got some really dumb lines uh-huh. said by some really good actors. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm in your face, just to remind you. Yeah. But the the latter half of the movie is like suddenly it's taken itself too seriously, which it shouldn't. It should have remained light and campy. Uh though the the true epilogue of that movie is it plays Fast and Furious by Ja Rule at the end. Yeah. Once again, hitting the nail on the head. Hey, this movie you just watched, it's called The Fast and the Furious. Here's a song by Ja Rule. Who's in the movie. Who is absolutely in the movie. For like a second. I, uh... On the whole, I think I enjoyed that movie. Uh, I think it was, uh... It's interesting because something that is so important to the... To culture right now in terms of like being one of the most successful film franchises ever uh it's a really meaningless movie that seemingly has no intention of being sequelized and i'm so interested to find out what it turns into you know that that's the great part and we can shit on this movie all we want because i know where this 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 franchise ends up Mm -hmm. i've seen the trailers john 
I know. And I don't watch trailers. They they came on in the theater. I couldn't turn you, away. You, you couldn't close your eyes. I couldn't close my eyes because it wasn't Star Wars. Yeah. But I know that soon, I mean, not soon, relatively soon, give it six movies. Give it like six movies. Give it six movies. We're dropping cars out of planes. I, I just... We're n- dropping cars out of planes and six movies. The the reason why I'm mostly excited for this experiment is because Fast and the Furious is something that starts with a movie that is just kind of okay and dumb and eventually creates a full-blown mythology. Just wait till they add The Rock. I'm very excited for The Rock. Now I know we're talking a lot about the sequels, but I want to let you aware let you be made aware of something, Henry. And this is something that I decided to save because I wanted to surprise you with it on the podcast. Oh, good. Now you, I love surprises. You know that there are eight Fast and the Furious movies, right? Obviously I didn't. So there's, uh, there's between seven to eight Fast and the Furious movies. But you know what, uh, what you might not have realized? The Fast and the Furious universe is very broad. There's a lot of works of art. Outstanding in the Fast and the Furious franchise, and I feel like we would be remiss if we went into the second movie, which we will watch this upcoming week and then uh, do another supplemental reading of, we would be remiss if we did not watch the short film entitled, hold on, The Turbocharged Prelude for Too Fast, Too Furious. There is a... There is a bridge film. They realized. Obviously they realized. We didn't end the last movie. Whoops. Forgot forgot to end it. So the prelude is. This is the epilogue. Are you serious? It. I am. Are you. I am absolutely serious. And since we are on the podcast. What I would like to do. Is pause the episode. Watch the turbocharged prelude for Too Fast Too Furious. And report back with our findings. How long is it? It is six minutes long. Hold on. To your... Whatever. Why did you show me that? That was so awful! It really ties the story together. No, it really doesn't. That's a, a... That was... They made that in a weekend. Look, we... I mean, you can't make that in a weekend. You need to be at least three places to shoot that. No, that was all and around the... Oh, my God. That looked like a DVD's extras for a different movie. Oh, uh, it was. For which movie? I think it was a DVD extra. No, no, no. I think it... Maybe it came out in something. Anyway, to... You don't release that. To summarize it for everybody, Paul Walker's a fugitive cop now. See, that's the ending you wanted, Henry. That's the epilogue you wanted. He's on the run from the cops, and his name's everywhere. So he just keeps running, and he runs all the way to Miami, street racing the whole way. He's now a criminal. Can you imagine how exciting Too Fast, Too Furious is going to be? I am very hyped for the sequel. He is a full criminal now. I mean, let me rephrase that. I was very hyped for the sequel, but that turbocharged prelude yeah. to Too Fast, Too Furious sucked all of the energy out of my my hype. What if what if the name instead was a supercharged epilogue to The Fast and the Furious? What that was basically was a long list of uh, 
inferences you could have made probably from the first five minutes of Too Fast, Too Furious. Hey, show don't tell, and also tell don't show. Uh, but I mean, for what it's worth... Stay away I, from that piece of garbage. I never thought that I could watch something that was completely without words... And get the impression that no one cared about what they were making. Yeah, that... You didn't have to hear a single person say anything. There's a one spoken line of dialogue, and that is the, the remixed song over it starts with, You owe me a ten second car. You, you owe me a ten second car. And then no words are spoken. He goes from Hollywood to Miami, where we thought the first movie was filmed, Kismet... And now Paul Walker is a full criminal. Amazing. It still doesn't explain why he's a full criminal. Because he couldn't lie to the police <laughs> and say, Oh man, he got the best of me. And Were there like traffic cameras that just had oh, him okay. giving the keys to Dom? <laughs> yeah. and so he got the best of me, pulls up the traffic cam. It's, the, it's him giving him the key. And uh, uh, they're like, hey, uh, hey, Brian, where'd your car go? He's like, ah, Dom, ask me about it, because I don't know. Dom, ask me about it. Uh, okay, fine, I guess. If people saw that, because otherwise, like, he could have said, like, oh, man, I got out to arrest him, and he, like, he, 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 he glazed on the ground as, like, they pull up. And he's like, oh man, he punched me in the face and took my keys. <laughs> yeah, but he walks very defiantly at his fate. Yeah. Yeah, they're, uh, that's not a good movie. What, at what, all. The prelude or the first one? Uh, so here's the thing. <laughs> he didn't answer the question. So, uh, there is a movie that is directed by Philip G. Atwell, who directed that short. Yeah. Called War. It's a Jason Statham Jet Li movie. Uh, it has a 36 on Metacritic. So not the best of things. Yeah, but not the worst of things. Yeah, I guess one third. Yeah, 35% of things are worse than it. Yeah. So, uh... That's a good way to look at that. Hot pile of garbage. <laughs> so, uh, now that you've seen a turbocharged prelude, I know that we've, uh, we've already front-loaded for our listeners that we're excited for the sequels. Do we have any closing thoughts for this first supplemental reading of The Fast and the Furious? While it's an obvious necessity to watch this movie, because how else will you understand the nuances in the sequels, I would say wait for a rainy Sunday afternoon, and it happens to come on FX, we've got the movies. What about FXX? I don't think they show movies on FXX. They just show The Simpsons. Uh, yeah, I there's a couple things I liked about this movie, but it definitely feels like a hurdle we have to get over to actually understand why these movies are important. Yeah. Personally. Yeah, definitely. This is like the first... What's something that starts out boring but ends up really cool... Um, it's like the first 18 years of school before <laughs> yes. you go off to college. They're yeah. really boring, but they're mandatory and you have to do it. And then you get to college and things are kind of, kind of cool, kind of nifty. Yeah. Once you hit college, you're dropping cars out of planes, yeah. stealing safes. Now I just wonder if two is like high school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it's just like the, it's just like everything bad about the previous ones, but it's just more confusing. Yeah. Yeah. 
I was genuinely hyped because I was like, okay, they didn't do the epilogue in this movie, so they have to do it in the next movie, but apparently it's just like, yo, when we in Miami. We're in Miami now. Uh, it's Too Fast, Too Furious, we're in Miami now. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like, I feel like that's a good, somewhat dour place to end this first of eight supplemental readings. Are you ready for the marathon? I mean, I'm ready, but also, we need to make it so that the next episode isn't recap. Ca- I know we we can talk about the oh, plot. Yeah. There were definitely, I think, but we shouldn't th- recap the entire movie. I think the problem is that there were a lot of things that I liked in that first half of the movie that blew my mind with how dumb they were, and I wanted to talk about them a lot. And then that eventually turned into us just recapping it. Yeah. So maybe just highlights next time. We'll do highlights. We'll take less notes. I'll just. We can take the same number of notes, but let's do a boil-down pass. Yeah, a boil-down pass. I'm just going to do lines I like. Yeah, I'm going to... For the next seven movies, it's just going to be lines I like. I'm just going to do lines. Yeah, just I'm going to do lines of Coke, then I'm going to write down lines that I like, then I'm going to go do what the kids are calling lines. You hang from a power line and hope you don't get struck by no electricity. That's what uh, Three Fast, Three Furious is about. Is that? Yeah. Is that a movie? Sure. <laughs> it's not. It's the the th- three supercharged three lewd. Ah, prelude, three lewd. Tokyo Drift is the third movie. It's the only one I've seen. Han. Yeah, he, I think he's in Fast 4. Hey, you know what, uh, you know what a supplemental reading means? It means I do the social media plugs. Bang. And you know what? I'm gonna do this fast. Okay, please do. And Furious. Oh. Wait, so you're going to... So if you want to get in touch with us, all you need to do is get on our email at zerocreditsthepodcast at gmail.com and send us your hate mail. Send us your fate mail, but don't send us any snail mail because we're too fast and mad for that. And if you got something shorter, you can send it to our Twitter at ZCPCWHJ. That's at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. And that stands for John. It stands for Zoom Cars People. Wait, Zoom Car Peoples. We. Wait, ZC. Oh, Zoom Car People. Cars where? Here, jerk. That's right, jerk. Get Hit us up on the, the DMs and the tweets and the direct messages. That's what DM stands for. We're going fast. If you say you're going fast, you're going fast. We're on Facebook, but we don't have enough time for that. And we stream video games on twitch.tv slash zero credits. You can catch us streaming the Fast and the Furious <laughs> game. No, you can't. We're not going to do that. Hold on. Is There's probably a game. It's called Need for Speed. Oh. I can't do this voice for much longer. Oh, Keep going. Oh, my breath. I just gotta... And if you could review us, give us some stars, and like us on iTunes, <laughs> those are the things you can do. Subscribe to us on iTunes, leave us a review, and give us them stars. We would greatly appreciate it, because that is the fuel for this car cast. You can tell I'm telling a joke because I slow down immensely. Yeah. And lastly, and most importantly, scream at your friends. Scream of the mouth is the only way that we can go fast and furious all the way to the top of the charts of life. <coughs> Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> Got some exhaust in my windpipe. 
oh, you know, human beings weren't meant to travel at more than 45 miles an hour. So that was pretty impressive. Yeah, I did that way slower than that. Uh, you know, uh, it's, uh, you got seven more movies to work on it. I'm going to work on my Vin Diesel impression, and why am I talking increasingly slower? Am I having a stroke? Uh, you blew your manifold, dog. Oh, no. Ping, 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 pow. From everyone here at the Zero Credits Garage, we like to let you know, ask any racer, any real racer. It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile, nobody's listening. Man, you real good at that. You a wheel man? I'll take the tuna, no crust. No crust.